Yeehaw! Hello, howdy! Oh, thank you for joining us on the Canon Stats Podcast. This is the world's best Arsenal Analytics Podcast. We have an exciting show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking a bit about Arsenal's newest signings. I'm fairly certain we'll talk about that Manchester United match. And then finally, we're going to get a little philosophical and talk some priorities for the competitions that we have as head. Um, as always, and I think I can fairly say this now because we've done this three times. And I think once you've done something three times, that classifies as always. I'm joined by Adam Bogey. Welcome, Adam. How are you doing? Have you come down at all from the match on Sunday? Hey, yes, I have regained feeling in all of my uh, fingers and toes, which and in, in like the tip of my face, which I mean, it was gone <laughs> for like an hour after the game. Like, seriously, like when people say they're buzzing about something, that is how I felt for such a long time. Um, there's just something so gratifying about uh, beating, you know, the actual like the your most hated clubs and, you know, with absolutely no respect toward uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, the nature of this game just made it so much more satisfying as a mm-hmm. win. Like, I think I think most fans would say um, like seven, you know, seven days out of the week. If you give me like either you can go in and blow them out or you can go and have like a classic game uh, where you do end up on top. Like I, I'm one of those guys. I would rather have like, you know, the the last minute buzzer beater or or the 90th minute winner thing, things like that. Like when you go back and reflect on it, it's more memorable. Um, so that was just like one of, one of the most fun games for me to watch uh, since I really have started following Arsenal closely here, like over the past five years. Yeah. Cause you think about, I mean, there was, you know, the, the wolves game last year, which had that same kind of thing, but yeah, it just doesn't have the the gravity of doing it against Manchester United. No, I think that's one of the big things here. So it's, it's that, so I, I know I, I wrote in the instant reaction that I felt both exhausted and exhilarated at the same time. Like I felt like I needed to take a nap, but also like I had like the energy to go run like a marathon. Like it was like the weirdest like combination of feelings and exhaustion and adrenaline. I did end up having to go take a, you know, a nice two hour walk and kind of just um, soak up everything that just kind of went through there. It was a, a really, really great feeling. And I am. Um, yeah. I'm still kind of buzzing from it, watching all of the the clips and highlights. And I think I watched the highlights at least three or four times now. Fell asleep oh, yeah. watching them, watched them again this morning as I was, you know, pulling stats and doing those kinds of things. Just an absolutely great thing. Yeah, and it's just um, one of one of my. I think one of my favorite things about it was that for the for the like the hour to two hours after the game, I could not stop uh, thinking up. It's it's dorky to frame this in like a Twitter way, but I could not stop like putting out effusive praise tweets about different players. I just thought like the Zinchenko performance was something that I have never seen anyone do. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen anyone do that in any game that I've watched, not just Arsenal. Um, it was just incredible. He was everywhere uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. It, I was thinking he was like a point guard, you know, running the offense in basketball. He was, he was coming all the way to the right side of the pitch to receive the ball. And he was turning and bringing it back to the left. And, you know, obviously we all know by now the end of the game, he's overlapping on the left wing. Like it's just, just ridiculous. Like talk about utility. Um, yeah. The marauding playmaker kind of thing rolled completely down. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought after the first half was pretty shaky, but second half Odegaard was just, I mean, he was just dealing. Um, Jacka did 
what Jacka does so well, just unlocking the defense. And, you know, we will talk a lot about Trossard, um, but what a great cameo for him. What a great debut. Um, and I think, I think, you know, the, the thing that makes me so happy is I think that's what we're going to get from him uh, basically for most of the season. Maybe he won't always have such a great game. I um, mean, obviously it was a short amount of time, but um, I mean, he was just so composed and it was, it was so important, his impact. Yeah, I think that's a, a good transition into the the first topic here. And I think that we'll all kind of like blend together here as we go through it. But yeah, talking about the transfer. So I know last week when we were doing this, we thought the Trissard deal was off. We thought that, you know, that was poo-pooed and we weren't going to get it over the line. But how quickly it changed in like the 24 hours post that podcast. And you know, now he is a, an Arsenal player and he's already made his debut and I think he he's shown the flashes of why we brought him, um, and I think yeah. yeah this 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 little stint with the team was was absolutely perfect for him. Just the when he you know got on the ball and it just seemed stuck to his foot, that was just so nice. Um, he mm-hmm. seems to have you know great uh, IQ there to be able to not try to overdo things or when we were you know him and Eddie at that you know in the when we're trying to see out the end of the game just both so calmly keeping the ball for an extra minute being able to do things absolutely perfect no kidding um just uh, really seems to fit uh what I'm starting to kind of think of like the as the Arteta blueprint mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's stolen a little bit from Pep but just really having guys um where I think his like he doesn't really have a position per se. I think he's just, he's just an attacker. Uh, He can, he's a, he's just, he can play, you know, so many people are like, well, he's just a a left wing when he was signed. And anybody who's ever watched him, um, if you watched him even just for one season at Brighton, he was not just a left wing. Um, He was playing, you know, as one of two men behind a striker. Sometimes he's playing as a left wing back. Other times he started, he started his last few games at Brighton as a nine. Um, like a false nine, obviously, because he's what, like five nine or something. But yeah, yeah he's um, not going to be your you know guy going to win headers kind of thing. But yeah, like Brighton went through a, an injury crisis and they needed him there, and he stepped up, and he did he did well. Um, like he he I, he seems pretty capable. Um, so it's just yeah, I mean, this is you know I I've had discussions with other people about this before, but um, it kind of speaks to the effectiveness of having an experienced hand uh, off the bench. I think that sometimes um, these younger guys, and and we saw this with Eddie for the first couple of months of the season, um, where I think sometimes the the success for them is a little bit based on confidence and getting into a groove and developing, you know, sort of your rhythm with, with your teammates and stuff like that. But a guy like Troussard, I mean, he's been around for 10 years now as a professional footballer. Um, he's played big games. He's scored hat tricks against Liverpool. Like he's just coming in. He's just like coming in and he's doing his job. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need like to build, build himself up first. Now, exactly, Kedia, right. And I think that's, that's the, the benefit of, you know, bringing in a 28 year old at, you know, the technical level that you hope and expect to be able to match at the team. This is exactly why you make this kind of a move, you know, right. Mm-hmm. It isn't one that necessarily is for the future. And I think we have a, a couple, we have a new signing that's already been announced today that we'll talk more about, um, and, you know, potential signing coming in here, but this is exactly the type of move that I think really kind of matches with 
being able to maximize this season. But I still like that, you know, this window seems to be well-rounded in that it's not all just for this window. It's still, you know, the project is still important and worth continuing. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, it's not reminding me of like Major League Baseball or, or the NBA where you see literal like rentals of players mm-hmm. um, in, in the last six months of their deal. And in American sports, for those of you who don't, who don't know, those, those contracts transfer. Um, there won't be a new one. So, you know, if a player's in his last six months and you require him, like he's got that six months where you're paying for him now, basically. Um, Troussard is not, he's, he's, he's one of those guys. Um, he's not really fast, so he's not winning. He's not succeeding because of explosive athleticism. It's more of like a finessed athleticism, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of along the lines of like Granite Jack, where you're like, he just knows exactly how to position his foot so that the ball will bounce perfectly off of it. He does things like that. Um, he retains the ball incredibly well. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't like kick the ball and win the race to it. Like he just dribbles around guys. And those are the kind of skills that, you know, you have more confidence um, in pushing off that age that like father time wins all battles, right? You push that off a little bit longer that way. Exactly right. Yeah, it's you think about some of the the fastest players when they lose that step. That's when things really start to you know it's like oh I, I go from I had a, a yard of space to now I only have you know a foot of space and you know those shots are a little bit harder. They're not quite able to come off quite as well. Um, and I think that you can get you know drastic age cliffs with more of those guys. I think you know that that's more of the Aubameyang or even the the Sun Ying Min type things mm-hmm. that where you get those guys that were used to having the extra space to be able to operate in. And now they have to operate with a guy that's a little bit closer, giving him just a, a little bit less time to be able to do it. Um, and I think that that is a, a good point on the players that seem to have more of the technical skill versus the athletic skill as their you know main calling card for what's got them to this level. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anything else on Trissard or we can uh, move on to the newest guy? No, I mean, I just, you know, um, I love to see a guy, uh, whether it's Trissard or whether it's Eddie, um, just kind of like take the bull by the horns. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people were excited about Trissard and a lot of people were were supportive of Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when those were, were the moves that we were going with, we're sticking with Eddie as the starter. We're bringing in Trissard as like the wing forward guy. Um, but there, I mean, for all that praise and support, there are also like some doubters who get pretty, pretty brutal um, to the point where, you know, I've had people say, you know, when I was praising Eddie, I think it was during the Brighton game because he's holding up the ball so well, people are saying he's horrible at everything else. And I'm like, well, no, he's, he's not horrible. Um, at, I don't think he's horrible at anything actually. But, uh, you know, you just, there's, there's like all this, uh, hyperbole sometimes around players and it's, it's great to see a guy like Troussard come in and do exactly what you expect if you actually pay attention to him. Um, and, and to see Eddie really make good on some of the flashes. I mean, he was so huge in almost getting Arsenal back into the top four last season. And, you know, regardless of when Jesus comes back, what the table looks like, he has been huge. Uh, and keeping Arsenal five points clear up to this point. So it's just, it's so gratifying for me to see players that I genuinely like and appreciate just kind of shut people up and do like great things like score a brace against Manchester United. 
Yeah, and I think part of that is that it, maybe it's just the online discourse, but it's the the either the your world class or your shit kind of thing. Like, there's not a lot of in between for some people, and no. or it's like yeah, everybody kind of gravitates towards the extremes, trying to be able to to prove their point or to to kind of go through and. And I think one of the big things with Eddie is that I don't think anybody necessarily, or at least some, I didn't doubt his ability to do, you know, the striker parts of being a striker, right? He's getting, he's always shown that he's been able to get shots. He's always shown that he's got a knack for finding space to be able to get good quality chances inside of the box. When he's been given the chance, he's always scored goals. The other questions were, can he come in and make it so everything else that is Arsenal can continue to function at the highest level. And there was definitely a question about that. Um, and he's definitely come in and proved the doubters wrong. Um, he's looked not just acceptable at it, but like downright pretty good. Like nobody's going to mistake him for Gabriel Jesus, but the drop-off in how Arsenal play has not been noticeable at all, right? I think you'll you'll see a little bit where, <laughs> you know, they've had to change a few things, tweak a few things. You know, you might see some trade-offs where Gabriel Martinelli doesn't have the same kind of effectiveness because he's not having another player to, to link and play off of, or you're seeing, um, you know, less of the ability for him to be able to get into central locations and do those kinds of things. But, you know, on the whole, you look at Arsenal and Arsenal still looks like Arsenal. And I think that mm-hmm. is like, honestly, like one of the biggest like compliments you can give to a guy that you thought of as a backup player that he comes in and you don't really notice that you're playing with a backup player. Yeah. It's just a, a huge kind of thing to be able to say, yeah, he stepped up and filled this void. Yeah. I mean, the like the, the best thing you could say about, any of your backups is, is that if, if he can continue to, you know, if he can prove that, that what he's doing right now is not a purple patch. Um, and this is two seasons in a row where mm-hmm. he's doing this. So I would think it's pretty safe at this point um, that if there's not a starting job for him or some combination of enough minutes through rotation, like that there would be interest in, in somebody else having him because he would be good enough for them. And, and I think that, Eddie is to the point now where I, to me, in my mind, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that a, a mid or a lower, lower table, uh, premier league club would benefit hugely from having him. I think a lot of clubs in Europe would as well. So, um, I, I hope he sticks around and, you know, I, I think I, I don't know if I ever said it about Eddie, but I always say about backups, like the, when your starter gets injured, the best thing that the backup can do is give the guy in charge a really hard decision <laughs> exactly. about who starts when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think Gabriel Jesus' performances before earned him the chance to pretty much come right back in. But I, I think there might be questions, right? If, you know, Jesus comes in and shows a little bit of rust, he might not get the 75 minutes to go work it out. He might only get right. 60 minutes to go work it out, right? I think there's that kind of stuff now where Eddie's going to do it. Or, you know, maybe it's a, we're going to, give Eddie a few more, uh, a start, right. To, to let you kind of come back into these kinds of things. And I think that's one of the things that he's, his play has really earned him more time and more yeah. opportunities, more trust. And, uh, you know, actually on that point, Scott, one thing just really quick about, um, about the game yesterday that I personally appreciated is I think, I think I'm not alone. And one of my bigger criticisms of, of Arteta for all the success is that sometimes the guy's just too slow to go to the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really, really happy to see, you know what, Ben White's just not, he's just not having his day today. 
Tamiyasu comes in and, and I thought he was good in the second half. He was, I do, I personally did not think he was to blame for the Lissandro goal. Um, but it was, I, I was just happy to see Arteta make uh, a substitution like that. Um, it it's more of a proactive thing. I feel like a lot of his substitutions have been reactive and honestly, it's why I liked the subs at old Trafford before it turned into a complete disaster. <laughs> um, because I felt like he was being proactive with the subs and I, I feel like he doesn't do that so much. So, so I was happy to see that. Yeah. I, I'm on that point too. Right. So I was, I watched the game with my dad and, you know, I was talking to him because he's, you know, just starting to, to learn a little bit about it. So I was kind of talking to him and I was like, yeah. And I think this, this move makes a lot of sense. I was like saying it as we're, we're doing it. Um, one of the things that I kind of thought through as we we're doing this is that, as you watch that first half, like really the only threat that I saw from Manchester United was in Marcus Rashford, who I think is in, well, one, he's just a very good player. And I think he is like in like some of the peak form that he might ever have, like in his career, like mm-hmm. he is just, everything is coming off for him and he is playing out of his mind really well. And you, I kind of think about what Arsenal have on the bench. And it's like, if I was to kind of go, person to person who's the best one-on-one defender who's the guy that i want to come in and you know bring in to lock down a guy that is their biggest threat it is tamiyasu like he just is that guy for arsenal i think that move made the most sense and you kind of think about in that second half it took him i think what like 10 minutes maybe or five ten minutes to kind of get into it i think he had that one moment where rashford kind of put him on his butt but mm-hmm. other than that, I think, yeah, Tommy Asu played really well and really quieted down Marcus Rashford from being able to to get much going, right? I think there was a couple times where they even tried to switch sides to get him over on the, the right-hand side, you know, where he would go up against Zinchenko, um, being able to try to get that going for him. And even then, like, he just couldn't find the same space and the same ability to create threat. And I think that is something that, again, yeah, this is a really good point for Arteta he paid a he saw something he made a proactive change also saving him you know he was on a yellow card right that was the worst thing that we could have had and it feels right. like most like oh we're against Manchester United we get a stupid red card and that is the reason that we lose in a situation that we were you know mostly dominant but yeah, he's definitely made sure that that was not going to be the case so yeah definitely a good good day from Mikel Arteta yeah just all around awesome um just one of my one of my favorites so i'm i was just really glad it turned out the way it did probably probably one of the more nervous uh here in america it's usually mornings before a game not like yeah. full days thank god but um yeah it's just oh i just feel so happy with how it turned out yep all right so arsenal have a new signing that's just coming in i believe it's mm-hmm. uh, announced now it's a, a center back um jacob kivior Am I saying that somewhat close? Is that we, think, we talked about this one before we started recording, yeah. and I think we we kind of landed on that one. Yeah, I think our our uh, our natives to Poland, if we have any, would would say it's Jakub Kivior. Okay, um, but we'll probably you know we'll learn just like just like our fan base eventually learned that it's not Gabriel Jesus. Yes, um, it's Jesus in Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, yeah, no Jakub Kivior, um, which you know as as we wrote on the blog. Uh, it's kind of one of those signings where it came. I remember I woke up and and we had signed him. Yeah, um, and it was, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, it was, wait, who? Yeah. Um, you know, he's <laughs> he's not he's not Evan Indica. You know, somebody that's been linked to the club for a while. I mean, even in even like a player like Indica at Eintracht Frankfurt, which is a pretty big club in Germany. Um, I think most Arsenal fans 
are casual enough to the point where they would not even know who that guy is if he hadn't been linked to Arsenal. So to sign a, a center back in his second year at Spezia uh, in Italy, who had come through the Slovakian league before that, even though he was at the World Cup, it was still like out of left field, to say the least. Exactly. But I think, you know, you kind of go through and we, we did a, a combo piece on this, um, which is really cool. Um, you should definitely read it. We'll definitely link that in the show notes. Um, and it, it was fun to be able to kind of get a, a crash course um, in what Kivior does. So uh, plays in a three at Spezia, um, you know, in the center of that cool, great kind of left-footed passing. I think this is one of the things um, Ted Knudsen um, posted here, you know, some of his stats coming from the Croatian league. And the guy was just an absolute pass monster um, as a a teenager. And I think that's one of the things too that, you know, you kind of think through. It's like, this is a guy who's doing this at 22. I guess he's almost 23 now, or he's going Mm -hmm. to be 23 very soon. Like in a month or something. Yeah, or a few days, I think even. Um, He's doing this at this level with this kind of passing, being able to do that here is, is really kind of the things that jumps out at the page for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's almost uh top of the, like top of the list for Arsenal at this point is, is a, a center back who can progress the ball. Um, I think that that was, that's definitely one of the things that you lose on sort of just like the stats based analysis because of where he's been. Um, mm-hmm. He he's yeah, not been let's playing. Just, yeah, put that in context. Yes, Spezia is not good. No, <laughs> they are fifteenth, but they are uh, not good at creating chances or even limiting other teams from creating chances. So, um, yeah. being able to do this and look this good in a team that is not that good is something that I think makes them um, especially special. And I think one of the things too, you know, center back stats are something that you should probably always take with a, a grain of salt. Um, just defensive metrics in general are hard to always do. I, my, my thing that I feel like a broken record on is that defense is hard to measure because you're trying to measure the absence of something. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, the, the old, I made a tackle. That means I actually made a mistake kind of thing definitely comes into play. Um, it depends on the style and do those kinds of things. I do, you watch some video of him. So give us a little bit of your thoughts after watching the video yeah. of Jake, uh, Jacob. Yeah. I, I, um, I ended up watching back two of his, of his games from the season. One was just this past week, or I guess it's probably like a week and a half ago now in the Copa d'italia where they played against atalanta and i mean just to illustrate like how bad the side is they lost 5-2 um and so uh, needless to say he gets a lot of chances to defend um but yeah he he was playing uh primarily the other game i watched was a game from earlier in the season against the most informed side in outside of england and europe right napoli mm-hmm. um and they only lost that one one nil um despite being the away side which it was, it was a very impressive effort by them and, and kivior had a lot to do with that um so he's he's defending in this the the central role and the, 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 the three center backs back line um but he does cover a lot of ground for them um I noticed in the second half of the Atlanta game, uh, they made a substitution and moved him to the left center back mm-hmm. role. Um, and he ended up doing a, a role that was a lot more similar to what uh, like a four at the back uh, club might be used to. He was getting forward into into the attack a little bit more. Um, didn't necessarily bear any fruit, but um, just doing more than kind of occupying that that space right in front of the goal. 
now I would say over, over those games, like the things that stood out to me, um, he didn't have a lot of chances to pass progressively against Atalanta, but I would say Napoli, just a number of really beautifully struck balls, got a great left foot. Um, he, you know, statistically, one of the things that, that you would have had on your radar is that he is among the better dribbling defenders, um, at least center backs in Italy. Um, he does have a sort of like refinement, like a sort of poise, um, when he's on the ball, hopefully that's something that will stick as he moves up into a more prominent, uh, league, a little more challenging league. But, um, you know, because that's not always the easiest to find, I know with like a Gabriel, uh, there was a long stretch where if he's on the ball, you're kind of terrified. Uh, it's gotten yeah. better, <laughs> but, uh, Jakob is, is, a, is a lot more of like a, a cool, calm, uh, character in that sense. Um, that definitely translates over to his defending as well. He's, he's tenacious. He really likes a duel. He gets physical. He gets his hands all over the striker. Uh, I watched him, uh, play that way against Duvan Zapata, who is definitely, you know, he's definitely a load. He's definitely a physical guy. So I was impressed by that. Um, really just positioning wise, I thought was really good. Um, there were a number of times where he was almost like sweeping up mistakes, uh, that his, his line mates were making. It was kind of sad in some cases, um, really, really high effort. Um, but also you could just trust him to, to be there, um, you know, to block the shot. And like, I only watched two games, but, uh, one of the games I, you know, I think once in each half just literally took a shot to the face, but <laughs> did not, did not move. <laughs> So I was impressed. I was impressed by that. Cause that's like, I show to me that shows bravery shows sacrifice. Um, you know, I've been frustrated. I can't tell you how many different times with players uh, flinching or, or moving out of the way. And then it ends up a goal. Right. Yeah. The, the classic, uh, you know, you turn, turn your back for it. It ricochets and takes a, a wicked deflection into the goal kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And he just, my man just stood there and took it off like probably the forehead. Um, <laughs> and, and in a, I think in a couple of cases actually, or, there all there only were a couple cases, but I think in both cases he actually like directed the header um too. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I think I think that that's that's really what what we're getting. If you go back a little bit further to when before he was in um in Italy, he was he would they were really like setting him loose more to be like the the guy playing those like Saliba Ben White long passes. Um and he's he's got the I mean he's really got the that pass in his locker. So yeah, he loves that, that, that switch out to, you know, the, you know, either the, the wing back or, you know, up the field, he loves to yeah. be able to kind of pull that one out. Um, I was looking at, you know, his past map. And one of the things that he, he loves to do is, um, you know, go from, you know, kind of the, the left half space and the defensive third out to, you know, the, the far right wing, that mm-hmm. big long switch over the top. He really loves that one. Um, that's one of his favorites. And then, you know, the other one is kind of the, the line breaker to the, the wing back that he likes to be able to do kind of get it to that next level um, from the center spot. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like you, um, when you study pass maps, sometimes you do see guys having one direction that they're more comfortable going in. Um, but I felt like his was really pretty split. Um, I did not see two footedness uh, come out so much, very much left footed, um, but you know, either direction. So that was, I mean, it was, it was actually, it's kind of fun to scout center backs because like, like we just said a few minutes ago, like the, the statistics are not always telling like the full story. I think if you look at defensive stats from yesterday, um, Scott McTominay, I think had like seven clearances. Yeah. So the, so the, uh, 
the stat-based apps actually, I think, rated him as Manchester United's best player, um, whereas the Manchester United fans watching the game were incredibly frustrated with him uh, for doing basically nothing. Um, so being able to like actually watch the game and see this guy position himself correctly over and over again, like it, it was just really cool, and it was it's not hard at all to see uh, him being a very effective backup. I think that physically, um, you know, there were questions from, from people who maybe watched some comps or whatever, you know, is he, is he athletic enough? Um, and I would say, I would say, listen, he's not, he's not a poor athlete. I would say he's about average, mm-hmm. um, which in, in my estimation, I would say makes him a better athlete than say Rob holding or yeah, Pablo yeah. Murray. Um, I, you know, he's not going to win a lot of foot races. He's not going to make the William Saliba recovery tackle on Kylian Mbappe, but, um, but I think he's 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 a like a five out of ten athlete, which is fine. Yeah, and I think that'll be okay. Um, I think you think about the the role that he's having. Um, I think it is to kind of replace Pablo Marie, right? The it's a player that basically we're not we even have in the squad right now, and so I think that is definitely something that we need to be able to have somebody kind of come in, right? You think about mm-hmm. who would be our emergency left center back right now. Um, and it's probably our, our backup right back right now. I think it would be our, our number two choice if we had to do it. So I think you, you kind of think about the number of high leverage matches that we're looking to be able to add next season. And you don't want to put all of your eggs in the, the Gabrielle basket, even though Gabrielle, you know, knock on wood has had a, a very excellent um, availability track record, being able to do those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> you don't want to necessarily go into a season hoping and, you know, planning on one of your center backs to be able to have to play 50 plus matches um, without any rest. So I think just to be able to to have uh, somebody that you can trust to be able to kind of come in and do those kinds of things is going to be a, a very nice thing. Um, and if he, he grows into something better, um, which I think he certainly has, lots of potential to be able to do it. Um, yeah. And I, you think about, you know, now our, our center backs, like that is a very, very nice young core of center backs that I think that we are putting together. And it's just, it's very exciting. It really, it, yeah, it really is. And I, um, you know, speaking of like position role, um, I think one of the, one of the more popular questions that at least that I was getting on Twitter when I tweeted about him was, was about his experience as a, as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. He played that um, the, the season before, right? Yep. So last season, the 21-22 season, um, he was playing primarily as the six for Spezia. Um, and I, you know, I, from what I have seen, um, I am more comfortable committing to him as a defender. Um, I think that, you know, maybe there's some kind of like inverted fullback thing that he might be able to do, but I don't personally see him uh, becoming a significant Thomas Partey backup in any way. Like I would still expect that to be on many until somebody else has purchased just my opinion. Um, I just maybe just a little bit too, uh, a little bit too wooden in his movements. Um, yeah. And you think about a guy who's just a average athlete for a center back taking the step further up the field. I think that yeah. just gives you a potential for being exposed a little bit more. Um, right. I think that, you know, I, I actually kind of like that he has that experience in his locker. I think being able to to do those kinds of things is, is always good for a player. But yeah, I think at the level that Arsenal are going to play, 
keeping him in the the back line makes the most sense. Yeah, even if it is like, oh, maybe he's a, an emergency left back or doing something like that, but certainly more of a, a center backy playing left back kind of a thing. You know, mm-hmm. kind of how we we do that um, from the time to time. I think makes a lot more sense rather than seeing him step into defensive midfield. But there's nothing wrong with only being good at or only being, you know, especially good at one position. Um, I feel like yeah, not, online, not everybody is a, a jack of all trades, right? No, and not and and but it, I feel like maybe we're all a little bit too online sometimes. But I feel like that discussion about you know such and such should change positions or you know Bukayo Saka one of the one of the best right wingers in the world like should he get moved to left eight or something like that i'm like you know what he's one of the best right wings in the world i think he should stay at right wing let's just let's look for a left eight <laughs> how about that well i mean i think it just it's classic arsenal right like this is this is our heritage <laughs> trying to turn a center back into a defensive midfielder it's just we, we can't get away from it no no it just follows us everywhere <laughs> but i'm 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 pleased with the signing i think uh i think i think we're gonna we're gonna like him um you know, I don't know. I don't know when uh, he'll get used. I, I don't know if he'll get used at, at City or at the the Cup game at City, but um, or if he, if maybe like the Europa League. But you know, because Arteta doesn't really sub center backs, um, so it's not like he's going to get a late run like Trossard did, most likely. Yeah, and I, I think um, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, I think this Friday's match will probably be too soon. You think about a guy who's gonna have like you know maybe two or three training sessions with the team moving to a new country yeah all that kind of stuff that seems like it would be a bit soon maybe some of the europa league or if we do get past manchester city in the fa cup you know maybe the the next round maybe potentially that kind of a thing but it does feel like this is a a move that you know we're, we're buying for next year now trying to get ahead where he's able to to get something and then we have an emergency if we need it kind of thing i think gabrielle's gonna play a lot going forward still yeah most likely all right um do we want to move on to um is it ivan frisnita is that even somewhat close to the pronunciation i, I have not actually <laughs> gone and looked up this one at all um, i did watch some video of him on saturday but i didn't pay too much attention into pronunciation here and i think that's yeah. something that i need to get better here as a, a host um of, of going and you know checking the pronunciation well i think as americans we're expected just to not pron- pronounce anything right but um yeah, no, I, I actually, it's funny. I watch with the sound off usually when I'm watching games. Oh, hundred percent so I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally watched, uh, just hours within the last few hours, watched, um, the December 30th game, uh, with, with Real Madrid and oh my gosh, this, he just talk about like a standout, very similar to, to Kivior in, uh, in that Napoli matchup where, um, you know, it's a, it's a much better side against a much worse side. And actually I mm-hmm. think Real Valad- Valladolid are actually doing pretty well in La Liga this season, but um, he was, uh, he was matched up for most of the game with uh, Vini, obviously. Yeah. Uh, playing as yeah, you the talk right about, back. Yeah, you know, pulling a, a hard matchup there. That's probably yeah. the hardest one that you can kind of pull right now. And, and let me tell you, he like, whenever, uh, whenever we get to, posting a little something on him um try to include some video on that apologies to anyone who who can't access the the tiktok clips i posted on on uh jacob he uh something something weird happened um i've done it previously and nothing bad has happened but we'll figure out how to get video 
onto Substack. They don't have native video right now, but anyway. Yeah, the, the native video is only video, but you can't really you put can't embed videos in, the in there. And yeah. you can't put YouTube clips in there, otherwise you get banned. Yeah, so we'll figure it out though. But he, um, yeah, he he went went toe to toe, and not in like a Manchester United went toe to toe with Arsenal way, <laughs> yeah. like an actual legitimate way. Um, so I'm just looking at the stat line from that game. Uh, he attempted nine tackles and uh, successfully completed eight of them. Um, he uh, won ten out of his fifth, his fifteen ground duels in that game. So he was very busy, um, but he did such a great job tracking Vinicius Junior. Um, tackle after tackle. Uh, and I think what will probably endear him most to any Arsenal fans who are looking to get excited is uh, just some of the footwork. <laughs> he was just like throwing body feints left and right. And like, um, it reminded me of like an NFL punt returner sometimes where just like jukes, jukes, jukes. And then he goes just right past the guy. Um, and, and he's got, he's got a, just a really good uh, eye for picking out passes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I know that's just, one of the things that really popped for me too. Um yeah, just some of the like he had a couple like where he did these little scoops that um you know from that right wing into the right half space like over the defender and I was like man just the audacity to do this as an eighteen year old yeah l- literally eighteen uh, starting an important league game against Real Madrid and just putting in uh, putting out that match or that performance just crazy um I personally have made on my own template uh, the like what his stats look like so far he's only made seven starts this season and and like the from the radar perspective it really doesn't look that impressive so um i'm yeah, actually I was gonna really touch glad that you right him. where yeah where it's like i think part of it too is like you got to think about the age and the context but like to me like he kind of comes out looking like a average-ish kind of player like there's nothing that really pops is like amazing like he's got he's got good defensive numbers but like everything else looks kind of average but then mm-hmm. you kind of think about that like this is an 18 year old doing this and like an 18 when an 18 year old comes in and looks average against guys that are seven, 10 years older than him. Like that right there is already just impressive at right. his own. And I think um, that that's kind of a good point to go off of where um, the, I think the reports are a little bit inconsistent about what his future would actually hold. But, you know, I had seen one op or one that had said, you know, no matter which club he ends up picking, he would most likely be loaned back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to retract a previous statement. Valladolid are not doing well in the league this season. No, I think they're uh, in 18th place right now. They're in a relegation place. Yes. Uh, although they look, they could catch Celta Vigo or Getafe. So keep an eye on that race uh, for 16th and 17th in Spain. Um, yeah. So he's, it sounded like he could be loaned back. Um, for all the flashes of, of great, you know, to to be fair to you, right. They're only three points back of 12th place. So they probably could have been, but they lost just recently and maybe, you know, lost a few spots along the way there. Yeah. I must've been checking the table when they were higher. That's, that's what I'll say. They have, yeah, they've definitely gone on a a five match losing streak here going on. So that's probably dropping them down a bit since these, these rumors first initially started. They're actually only four points out of 11th too. That's crazy. That's crazy. Congested from 11th to 19th in Spain and separated by five points. It's not that dissimilar <laughs> to what the premier league looks like right now. No, like, the, it's yeah. The premier crazy. league from like 20th to, to like 13th is separated by only a few points as well. So it's, it's a trend, I guess. But um, anyway, the, I was saying about, about this player, I think that, um, you know, for all the flashes and everything, uh, you know, Arsenal clearly have two very functional right backs. So if, if uh, he were to join 
um, officially, you know, being loaned back for the rest of the season would not be uh, a difficult to understand move. Um, it would probably raise a few more questions about like the long-term outlook at right back is, is Tomiyasu, you know, potentially going to be used as a left back, as a center back. Um, there's a great question there. If you look at it from the perspective of Tomiyasu being the backup right center or right center back as well, um, could make sense because he is right footed. Uh, so you kind of, so then you got Kivior and Tomiyasu as your second, um, line basically, you know, I haven't heard any rumors of any right footed center backs really with Arsenal, but the right back thing has come up more. So it makes you think he's probably moving. Um, and obviously that would be Mr. Holding would be moving on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. Cause I mean, you, you kind of ask, sorry, well, what, what is Tomiyasu's position going forward? Is he going to be all those things? And I think the answer is yes. I think right. he's kind of the, the guy that, you know, can be a bit everywhere, but also can't necessarily be depended to be anywhere. You think about, mm-hmm. you know, some of the injury history that he's had and sometimes, you know, the, the little niggling things that keep him out um, a, a bit longer than you'd expect. So maybe that is the the right position for him to be able to kind of be the guy that comes in when you need to just, you know, shut down a player that's looking good or, you know, you need to go put him on the the left and say, go shut down Mosal or you need him to come in on the right and say, go shut down Marcus Rashford. Um, you know, he's also a guy that, you know, if he came into either center back position, I would feel perfectly comfortable. And it's just kind of nice to be able to have that guy available to you to be able to do it. And exactly. he's a handsome guy too. Just if we're gonna be and we should, we should know better by now than to try to uh, expect Mikel Arteta to really like, pigeonhole a player into one position only um he he would probably look at it more more like having seven defenders for four spots yeah and i think that's kind of like you kind of think about what arsenal are doing it's almost kind of going to a positionless defense where it's it's kind of a hybrid back three where you know one of our you know our right back is kind of a center back kind of a midfielder our our left right. back is apparently a marauding playmaker that just pops up everywhere, um, finding space, creating space, interchanging, mm-hmm. being able to do anything. Like, and I think one of the things you talked a little bit about um, Granit Xhaka's positioning um, or you know his like interchange with him. I think the other thing that you need to kind of call out with Granit Xhaka in this match was like just his like ability and like IQ to know when to go cover for Zinchenko. I think both him and party just did absolutely excellent seeing him, you know, vacate that spot and not leaving these massive gaps that Manchester United could get to, because I think that was one of the things that Manchester United were able to, you know, take advantage of in the last game. I think Arsenal really probably for the only time this season actually looked naive. And I think you could see the maturity and the difference between how we went back going for this match, going for the win here mm-hmm. versus how we went going for the win there, not yeah. leaving the huge gaps to be able to take advantage of because there was zero opportunities for Manchester United to really counter in that second half. And if you, if you do go back and watch uh, the winning goal, if you, if you're able to watch it from the wider angle, um, obviously Trossard is more in the left half space. Uh, Zinchenko overlaps wide left and ends up playing that great cross. Um, but if you zoom out a little bit further, um, sure enough, there's Granite Jacka covering that left side of that um, like inverted fullback role. He's he's alongside Partey, so it's it's exactly what you said. Him and I mean, I, I remember thinking this in like one of the first games of the season. Him and Zinchenko seem to just have like this telekinetic bond where they just 
it's like they've been playing together uh, since they were kids. Um, they just understand each other really extremely well. So that's another reason why, you know, people, some people were worried about Ken Trossard come in, come in and play wide on the left. Well, you know, he, he played the half space and it worked really well. So, <laughs> and it's because of Xhaka and Zinchenko's intelligence that you can do stuff like that. Exactly. No, I think that was one of the things that when I was watching Trossard video is like, oh, that, this guy likes to, you know, kind of pick up that that left half space, be able to kind of do it. You know, maybe he kind of comes in and changes. You know, we've seen Granite Xhaka pick up those positions. And I think Granite Xhaka does really well picking up those positions as well. But Trossard just giving them a new problem to go solve for those last few minutes, I think, is something that's going to be really nice. I, I think that's one of the things. So Arsenal have players that... um kind of mesh together well but they aren't exact copies of each other so you're always giving new problems for teams to be able to solve we're Mm. able to kind of put a new player in he plays the same role arsenal looks the same but it's just that slight tweak to be able to give a new problem or to um, attack things from a different angle which i think is something that is really nice to be able to have in the team right now yeah absolutely all right, so I think we've we've kind of uh, meshed together the Manchester United quite nicely. Um, anything more on that game? No, I'm just you know it, it's I think when you look ahead now, um, Manchester City is really the the fixture that yeah we got we got them three to. times I think over the you know, the next like six weeks. Yeah, so we'll I'm sure we'll still get these doubting statements about Arsenal before both of those games. You know, they'll be in second by the time they play City. All this stuff, um, you know, just I think take it game by game. And you know, speaking of City, now we've got FA Cup. What is it Thursday um, at the Etihad? So uh, yes, yeah, Friday, 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 eight o'clock under the lights. Well, noon for my time, but eight o'clock under the lights. Big, big, big game. Um, and I think this mm-hmm. kind of gives us a good transition. But before we do that, uh, I guess we'll we'll take care of the the housekeeping. Um, subscribe, please do like. Um, you know, do all the subscribing on the you know the the podcast things. If there is any podcast places that this feed isn't being shown up on, let me know, um, and I'll make sure to take care of getting them everywhere. Being able to do all that, we are on Twitter at Canon Stats, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, any other house, housekeeping that I missed, um, Adam? Or I think no, I, I got no, it all. Just, we appreciate everybody who's subscribed so far. I feel like we're both we're both feeling a lot of uh, support and encouragement from the Arsenal online community. So, you know, hopefully we'll just keep growing and 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 building a bigger family. Yes, yes, I, I echo the sentiment. It's it's very good. Um, and I think the next topic here, uh, as we kind of wrap things up, is talking priorities. So. Mm-hmm. We, we Arsenal, are in an amazing spot. Uh, literally, off to the best start this team, this historic team, has ever faced or has ever done in their in their history. Um, I was looking here; we're uh, fifty points, so that's a hundred point pace. We're at forty five goals; that's a, a ninety point pace. Both of those would be the best ever, especially for a, a thirty eight match season. We are putting up one of the best defensive seasons this team has done since, I think, the the mid two thousands. So basically, everything is coming up Arsenal right now. But that does lead to the question of what should we prioritize? I mean, we have this chance here that maybe only comes around every five to seven years for the title. We are in the FA Cup with a big match coming up against Manchester City on Friday. We have the Europa League where we have 
that can always be something that kind of saps a team's energy to be able to have to play, you know, twice, you know, on the week during the stretch run. Is there, if, if push comes to shove, would you prioritize something or throw one of these competitions that Arsenal are in to prioritize one or the other? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we talk about this a lot kind of as like an online culture. Um, I think ultimately Arteta kind of looks at it as what's, what's the best team I can put out there without, you know, jeopardizing anyone. Um, so, you know, I personally am expecting, uh, well, that and combined with the schedule, right? So I'm mm-hmm. expecting basically a full strength side. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very close to full strength. I, so, you know, for those who aren't paying necessarily that close of attention, I think it's eight days between that and our, the next game, which should be Everton. Um, we don't really start getting in the weeds again until maybe like, you know, three games in like 10 days. So I think we're probably going to see, and that's at the end of February. So I think we're going to see, you know, strong lineups for basically every game from now on. You know, I think, I think that Arteta is probably going to prior prioritize the league over like above all else. Right. So if he's got anyone who's at all risky, um, you know, Saka's got a slight hamstring thing or something like that, but we've got, you know, a quarterfinal Europa league first leg against, you know, Barcelona, that'd probably be the worst the worst possible draw we could get but um I, you know I, I think he would he would save Saka in that case and I think that's probably the right thing to do I know that fans in England do not especially rate the Europa League but I really think that um Mikel Arteta is going to try to win it uh and that's probably what I would do too to be yeah, honest I, 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 just... probably, I probably probably would be more likely to throw the cup yeah, I mean the FA Cup. I mean, unfortunately, like, yeah, that's that's the Arsenal Cup. It's the the Arsene Wenger Memorial Tournament kind of a thing at this point. Like, they should just you know name the trophy after him because like he won it so many times. Mm-hmm. But that is obviously, I think, the third of three choices. And you know, is Arsenal? I've never seen Arsenal win you know like a European trophy, and I think that's something that really kinds of gnaws at me you you see a lot of our rivals doing you know so well you see you know liverpool just you know lifting the champions league or you see you know manchester united winning the uh, the europa league you know recently chelsea winning the europa league being able to do mm-hmm. it and it's just like i would really like to be able to you know have that kind of go into the trophy cabinet that's something that you know the team just doesn't have right now but I just think about what is actually the bigger accomplishment and it's obviously winning the league against Manchester city who might be the best team in the world right now. Right. So being able to actually beat them over 38 grueling games is just going to be, that's like the biggest accomplishment that I think you can do right now. And I think that has right. to be the number one priority. And, and it's, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, once we get into like March and April um, where we're having, you know, draws and we're going to, we're going to be playing like the better clubs from Germany or Spain or Italy or wherever, um, you know, God forbid, maybe Manchester United in a two leg tie. Oh, yeah. um, and it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch Arteta, especially with what, you know, bringing in Kivi or bringing in Trossard uh, here in January, but also Pep um, because Pep Guardiola has won the premier league. And I don't think, I don't think he would ever get to the point where he, you know, would throw the league, but uh, I've seen it discussed. And I, I don't think it's completely crazy that Pep might chase the champions league trophy a little bit harder. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's certainly possible. Not to the point where, you know, he would be losing the league intentionally, but um, you know, maybe if he's got Bayern Munich on, on Tuesday or uh, yeah, I, know, full I, on, I, have, on I haven't Saturday. gone and looked, who do they have in their, their first round there of the, the champions league? 
coming up I here. I haven't looked either. Right, let's I'll, I'll pull, let's I'll learn pull, together I'll pull it up live. Um, I, I, I was looking um, at the, the Europa League, so we will not have to face both Barcelona and Manchester United because they play each other in the round of 32. So that's yes, at least going to be somebody we're going to, you know, dodge at least one of those bullets. But I feel like whoever we go, it's going to be that was like a giant conspiracy. Yeah. Um, they see. play RB Leipzig. Yeah. The so that, that, that won't be an easy one necessarily, but that will be actually, easy. Yeah. They should take care of business there. Although I, RB I did, did get a, a did get a draw against Bayern on the weekend as the, the Bundesliga comes back. Yes, I think over two games, um, I would expect City to run away with it. Uh, no disrespect to RB Leipzig, they just do not have the personnel. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a 100% thing, right? And, um, I'm looking here at 538, and they give 72% chance for Manchester City to go in, and I would take the over on that. It feels like that's <laughs> a, an 80% plus kind of thing. It would take like an absolute, like, you know, Manchester City create three errors kind of a thing and absolutely blow things up for that to kind of not go through. But who knows? I mean, Timo Werner could could finally play well against an English side and there you go. Yeah, he's just going to attack that space and he's going to, you know, be able to say, yeah, I could do it in England. I just I just couldn't do it for Chelsea. All when it right. counted more. Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's okay. I'm I would I'm gonna be rooting for Timo Werner. All right, Adam. Um, I think we're <laughs> we're looking good here. Um, any final thoughts before we we sign off and go bask and watching some more Manchester United fan videos where they record themselves <laughs> watching yes. the final goal and potentially the second half of Spurs because it sounds like it's not going especially well. I don't have it on the TV right now. I've got it uh, above me, and Fulham are giving them everything that they want. You know, you talk about a team going punch for punch. Fulham is going punch for punch with uh, Tottenham right now. You love to see it. You love, love to see it. it. I'm, I'm going to go turn that on then. No, just uh, thanks. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening um, and keep an eye on the page here over the, the next week. Uh, you know, we'll see what rumors come out. I know Scott and I are both looking at Fresneda pretty closely, so he's supposed to make his decision relatively soon. And we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep telling you what we know about these guys. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Bye bye.